Episode 200 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you by the Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi Racing Club, offering a truly personal racing experience. Looking to own thoroughbred racehorses and win at the highest level circuits? We're not just a syndicate, and our members aren't just investors. We are partners. Experience the Adelphi difference. Join the club today. Contact us to get a taste of the Adelphi experience and come hang with us this Saratoga meet. And now let's start episode 200 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Welcome to episode 200 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your proud host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us on a very exciting day of horse racing. Post positions have come out for the 2022 Breeders' Cup, plus some very interesting news across horse racing that we will be discussing. But before we bring on my great co-host to talk about the Breeders' Cup post positions, please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. I don't know if our co-hosts have noticed, the subscriptions continually to pile up. We're getting more and more people interested in this fantastic podcast. We're so proud. We are close to 1,600 subscribers. So please make sure you subscribe on the right side of the screen if you, have done, if you haven't done that. And then also hit that notification bell, which will tell you when new content will arise. And we still have two fantastic shows this week, tomorrow, and Wednesday, we'll talk about. Also, smash that like button. Anytime that like button is hit, the more like buttons, the more YouTube recommends this podcast to people that enjoy horse racing. The more subscribers we get, the more it helps uh, all of us here at the HHH Racing Podcast. We greatly appreciate all of your uh, support. You can see on my name tag, at H Kravitz is my Twitter handle. I will be very active on Twitter throughout the week. And, of course, my email, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com, on the bottom of the screen. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor if you don't have a chance to watch us on YouTube. The Power Picks. Whoa. We were on fire. On fire last week with our Power Picks. The ROI, again, is close to 250. We had several winners. We had exactas. We had pick fives. And we have a blowout edition coming up. It looks like the plan Thursday will be setting out the power picks for both Friday and Saturday. That is the hope. And as you can see on the screen, if you're not familiar with our power picks, it's only $16 for the entire month. You get it every Saturday. Uh, but in this case, for the Breeders' Cup, you'll be getting it th uh, Thursday, which means since it's only $16 a month, it's only $4 every weekend. We are giving you a ton of information on our power picks, which is basically a tip sheet with ABC grids, spot plays, horizontal, vertical plays for four bucks. Are you kidding me? Four bucks for the entire Breeders' Cup cards. This is the best deal in the country. So please go ahead and check it out. You can see it through Patreon. Also, look, look below the video player. But you better sign up soon 
uh, because if you want our power picks, we're sending them out on Thursday for Breeders' Cup weekend. Also, very excited about this. The Pick 6 Syndicate, the money is rolling in. We are close to $10,000. That's right. Close to $10,000 with the money we've accumulated. We're playing Pick 6s on Friday and Saturday. Now, you need to email me at hkravitzhorse at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to send you more information. But the deadline to send in money for the Pick 6 Syndicate is this Wednesday, noon Eastern. Folks, time is going by fast. So if you want to invest into our Pick 6, you need to send money soon, and you need to email me ASAP so I can give you information on how to be a part of our Pick 6 Syndicate. Again, the deadline, no exceptions, is this Wednesday, noon Eastern, to get that money in. We also have a great website, hhhracingpodcast.com. Before, last thing before we bring in our uh, co-host here, let me again show you what's happening uh, this week on the podcast right there. Again, tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be exclusively handicapped Breeders' Cup Friday with Justin Christine does a great job with In The Money Media and Tripno Pros. And then Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, full blowout, almost two hours of live podcast with a fantastic handicapper and the gentleman who is in charge of the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast. He's been with us before, Chad Shexnader, fantastic handicapper, great guy to have on for Saturday's Breeders' Cup card. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Let's go jump right in. We have two fantastic uh, co-hosts we want to bring in tonight. First, uh, a journalist from the Saratoga Special, my friend and yours, Mr. Paul Halloran, and the Prince of Arlington from right near me here in the Chicago area, Kyle Roscoe. Guys, post positions came out. A lot of big-time news, gentlemen. How are we doing tonight? Good, Howard. How you doing? We're just—it's the best week of the year right now. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, Paul, our good friend and co-host Pete Visco is out trick or treating with his uh, son Jackson. I don't know about you guys personally. He gets a nestle crunch there. Personally, I think he really wants to trick or treat more than Jackson and maybe TP a house or you know who knows what he's got planned. But uh, Pete's doing the good fatherly thing, and he will not be with us tonight, Paul. But he will be with us uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. And all the treats I have, Howard, are right in these pages of the ah, DRF. No tricks there, we just hope. treats, right, Paul? <laughs> well, hopefully, right? we hope for a few treats. <laughs> well, the, the, Bre- the Breeders' Cup uh, people put a few tricks on some of the horses I like the next uh, this weekend. We'll, we'll be talking uh, about that. The other thing, we need, there, there's two big news we have to talk about. And by the way, we, we're going to have huge viewership tonight. We already have a lot of people watching. If you're watching us live on YouTube, please make sure you – uh, any comments you want in the live chat, put them in the live chat. We're going to be very comment-centric tonight. We want to hear how you feel about these uh, Breeders' Cup races and the post positions. If you're watching us live right now on Twitter, highly recommend you go to your tablet, your PC, your iPad, whatever, and open up and go to our YouTube channel. Just go to the YouTube search bar and type in HHH Racing Podcast because then you'll have an opportunity to go ahead and, and join us in the live chat. Just like Mr. Roshan. I believe Roshan is from New York, if I'm not So, Roshan, right. thanks for joining the show. Guys, real quick before we get to the post positions, Paul, I'll let you go first. 
the big news of the day in terms of the Breeders' Cup is Jack Christopher. Um, completely out of the Breeders' Cup. Not decided to go to the mile. Just out completely. Your your thoughts first on Jack Christopher not competing this weekend. Well, it's turned into a bit of a controversy, and, and it dates back. It goes back to last weekend. So they scr- the vets scratched a horse of Chad Brown's last weekend, and he was not happy about it. Um, Jack Christopher, of course, was scratched during the week of Breeders' Cup week last year. Uh, Chad Brown's explanation today, he claims the horse is fine. Apparently the horse jogs funny. And, you know, they are looking over every one of these horses up, down, and all around because, God forbid, the last thing we want is an accident on national TV. He claims that he sent Dr. Larry Bramlage, who is probably the foremost equine vet in the country, if not the world, all the scans, and Dr. Bramlage claims the horse is fine. Chad's story, and he's sticking to it, is that he thought there was a chance that the vets would scratch this horse after examining him on top of the race, and that that would not be a good story for racing. Now, you got to decide, you know, um, obviously the health of the equine athlete is of primary importance. However, my feeling would be, you know, if it was that much of an issue, why not go to the, the, the Breeders' Cup vets before entries today and say, hey, look, you know, Dr. Brimwood says he's okay. Can I get a heads up here? Uh, but anyway, he's out, which drastically changes the complexion of the sprint. And I'm not happy about it because it's going to make Jackie's Warrior four to five instead of two to one. And Jackie's Warrior was going to beat him. Wow. Well, it won't beat on Saturday. Because he's not Correct. competing. Uh, Kyle, your general thoughts. Uh, anything you want to uh, retort back with uh, based on what yeah. Paul said? Yeah, well, it can't get beat if you can't lose, I guess, to that point. But, um, I mean, realistically, like Paul said, it's it's all the matter um, that the horse is okay and the health of the equine athletes is top priority as always. Whether you believe Chad Brown's story or not, that's just the down to the sole fact that we hope Jack Christopher's okay and he comes back next year strong. But – I mean, like Paul said, it just kind of sucks now with the sprint. I mean, especially with Jackie's word drawing finally an outside post, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, it kind of just turns into Jackie's race to lose. And if it, I saw that on Twitter early, I think it was from one of the DRF guys. It something monumentally wacky has to happen, I think, for Jackie's word to lose now. Yeah, I, did, I personally didn't think Jackie's word was losing anyway. I just yeah. want to I didn't that out there. That being said, um, it is a bit of a bummer. It's two years in a row for Jack mm-hmm. Christopher. Easily could have been two-time Breeders' Cup. Not easily, but, I mean, realistically could have. And now, um, you know, well, won't be all competing. Uh, the other big news, guys, and it has nothing to do with the Breeders' Cup, uh, but I think it's fascinating. Frankie DeTore going to be riding at Santa Anita this winter for the sole purpose, we'd all believe, to try to get a really solid Kentucky Derby mount um, who knows if it will be a Baffert mount. So it actually can't be a Baffert mount, right? So uh, as of now, it can't be a Baffert mount. Um, Kyle, this is a big move. And I'll tell you what, uh, Rispoli uh, and Juan Hernandez and all these guys that are killing it on the turf at San Anita too, uh, the big sheriffs in town, they are not going to have it nearly as easy as they have uh, so far up to this point. 
Well, yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. And you would imagine that Frankie comes over, he's going to get a lot of live mounts just being who he is. I mean, yeah. granted, whether he gets in cahoots with Baffert, D'Amato, or whoever, you know, he warms up to, uh, you got to believe he's going to get a lot of good mounts out there. And a lot of his horses, whether for better or for worse, are going to be bet down. So, I mean, you know, if you like horses that Frankie Tori's not riding possibly that day, you know, you might even get just a bigger price just because Frankie's on that horse, which is one way to look at it. Paul, it's fascinating because, of course, he's one of the best riders in the history of the game, mainly a turf rider. I never thought Frankie is like an aggressive kind of go-to-the-lead dirt rider at all. So there's going to be some adjustments to make even for an experienced guy like him, but I'm sure he's going to figure it out pretty damn quick. Yeah, and Howard, the real story, the rich get richer. You know who his agent's going to be? Actually, I don't. I had a chance to read the story mm-hmm. today. Ron Anderson, who oh, represents – John Velasquez and Joel Rosario. Talk yeah. about having a, a stranglehold yeah. on the jockey colony across the wow. country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that uh, Ron Anderson is going to need a third cell phone to, yeah. to get those mounts. But, yeah, I think it's – I agree with you, Howard. It's intriguing. And, you know, he, he has written in Dubai the last several years. with the, You know, he had a big falling out with John Gosden. I'm reading his book, by the way. I've started it months and months oh. ago. Frankie's autobiography was very, very good. I just, you know, I tend to spend more time with PPs than I do with books. Novels are out of the question. Uh, but uh, he had a falling out with Gosden. Now he's kind of back with Gosden. But, you know, he's talking about the Derby and, and maybe the Triple Crown. Well, that runs into the Irish 2000 Guineas and it potentially the Epsom Derby, which I believe is on Belmont Day traditionally. So, uh, but, you know, Frankie's got about a year, year and a half left. He said he was going to reevaluate after 2023. So, you know what? Hats off to him for taking a shot. He'll Absolutely. be there. He will be there opening day. He's not just making a, a cameo. He he is no. going to be based there for Santa Anita. Uh, Roshan said Flavian at Santa Anita. I, that, shot, that surprised me. I think Flavian is going to California. Oh, is he? Okay. For the winter. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, I, I, guys, I've been... I, no excuses. I mean, I run a podcast. Thank I've God, thank busy. God, someone is looking out for the show here. <laughs> Rosario is also going to be riding in California. I don't. Right? I did not hear that, uh, but I did hear okay. yesterday that Flavian uh, ah. was going out there. Okay, interesting. Well, anyway, that 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 jockey colony has gotten. It's already decent out there. It just got incredibly more difficult. Uh, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, guys, let's go. Let's let's go to the PPs here. That that's the big story. The, the post positions, that's the big story of the day. Now, as of this very moment, I have not seen DRF uh, send out their mm-hmm. final PPs. So yeah, because why would take... they? The PPs were only. It was five hours ago that it was done. So why mm-hmm. would they be ready? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do final checks on that as we go through the show. But we this is really not handicapped time. We're talking about the post position. So. Guys, let's get right to uh, the post positions. We're going to go in order of the races that occur, which means the first race we're going to look at, and we're going to spitball, guys, for about four or five minutes um, each race. we got 14 races, so we can't, you know, we're going to be quick. Uh, basically, what I want from you, Paul and Kyle, is your quick takes. Horses that can be upgraded because of the post, horses that can be downgraded with the post, any situations. Oh, we got a visitor. 
Martha is making a cameo appearance. Is she trick or treating, Paul? I <laughs> know <laughs> okay. uh, hey, she's Martha. handing out the candy, although her, her right. garb would indicate otherwise. All right. I'm aside on my door saying, live podcast, trick or treaters, yes. go away. <laughs> no, I do not. For all those people at home, I do not have that sign up. But uh, I don't think I'll be getting too many trick or treaters at this point. All right, guys, let's go ahead and bring up uh, right now the post positions. For the juvenile sprint. I'm going to make this a little bit bigger here. Perfect. All right. Hopefully everyone can see it on the screen. Um, this juvenile turf sprint is fascinating to me, Paul. And one of the main reasons is because in this particular race, there That's are not four... the first race, by the way. You know that, Howard, right? I'm sorry? Oh, it is the first race. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, <laughs> I'll take detention tomorrow. Okay. The first Breeders' Cup race on Friday. Uh there are four very fast horses in this race, guys. And they all drew next mm -hmm. to each other on the outside. Sharpest Attack, who I wasn't sure was going to be getting in the race, um, is a threat to me. Tyler's Tribe, Speedboat Beach, the Platinum Queen. Uh, Paul, there are some unbelievable amounts of speed on the outside, which tells me they all basically have to go. Um, and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the first turn. You know, I agree, Howard, and and look, and I think the Platinum Queen is especially intriguing because, it, you know, when we think of the Euros coming over here, even in the, the turf sprints, we don't really think of someone just wants to blast and go to the lead. You know, typically it's someone who might be more likely to come from behind, but everything you hear about this horse will be written by Holly Doyle, by the way. Everything you hear about the Platinum Queen is that you know, she is one way and she's just going to go. So having said that, Howard, you, you bring up a good point. And it tells me that we should be taking an extra look to see who might be coming along here because uh, that could spell price. Uh, Kyle, I think Love Reigns probably gets the best of the draws. I mean, you don't really want to be mm -hmm. buried on the inside, but Love Reigns is for Ward at four to one, has tactical speed. I don't think this horse will have the lead. It's just a guess of mine. Uh, he figures to get a pretty darn good trip, I would think, from the inside. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't see this horse getting the lead. I mean, if you're Irad and you see four horses absolutely blazing past you on the far outside, I mean, just set the pocket and just just have a fun trip trying to get around them at the top of the stretch. We might. I'm. I mean, even the two euros in the middle, even mischief, magic, and dramatized. I mean. Like I said, with those four coming from the outside, I don't think they set a bad trip either. I don't think they got. I think they got a pretty good draw as well. I agree. I, I just, don't. I don't think Howard. I don't think Love Reigns has any chance to get to the lead in this race. Um, I mean, it's Wesley Ward trained horse, probably. I mean, I would never. I would never doubt any of that. But I. I, I mean, twenty twenty two flat going five and a half furlongs at Keeneland for the first quarter. This race is going to be like twenty one and three. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with the show or have not heard, we are deep diving handicapping tomorrow for the Friday card and Wednesday for the Saturday card. So if you're looking for like specific handicapping, that's not what tonight's show is about, but please join us the next two nights. But I will say, guys, I am very interested in number four, Dramatized. I love the post. This or, the source, the number four, uh, is the Philly. Ryan Moore, by the way, in the saddle, gets a good post, can close – breaks fine, and beat Love Reigns at Ascot easily. Now, I know that was in June, but at 15-1, to 1, I think dramatize the four horses, a horse I am fascinated with at this moment 
just based on the post and the pace situation. Guys, it's not a race. I have to say, uh, as I go back full screen, I don't think I'll be playing this race much on Friday from a wagering standpoint, just because it's a turf sprint and it's two-year-olds. And who the hell knows? But um, I think you have to go a little bit price shopping in this race. Don't you think, Paul? I mean, taking a favor in this kind of race seems a bit silly. And don't forget, uh, you got uh, Frankie Dettori on a horse that Davey mentioned on your show the other night, Persian Force, who will be closing. Yes. Blackbeard yeah. might have been the favorite, and uh, Blackbeard lost, he, he, uh, lost his horse close twice. Uh, Charles, this is not harness racing, sir. <laughs> only, only in harness racing, Charles. They'll, they'll not be angling the gate. No. Um, I was against the Platinum Queen anyway, guys. I'm totally against her now. If she wins from out there against these horses, that would be incredibly impressive. Uh, here's a Felice. Felice Kamenouche likes Persian Forest. Felice, welcome to the show. Uh, this gentleman has actually emailed me, guys, the last few days, interested in the pick six pool. And I think Felice is going to be at Keeneland, if I remember. So, Felice. Welcome to the show, sir. Hopefully, I'll have a chance to meet you at Keeneland. Don't be a stranger. Make sure you put up a lot of comments um, in the chat. All right, guys, let's move on uh, to the next race of the day. And that's going to be the juvenile Phillies. Uh, the, yeah, the straight juvenile Phillies. Guys, I have to say I was a bit disappointed uh, with these posts because the horse that I like the most Drew absolutely horrendously. Guys, here are the posts for the juvenile Phillies. Uh, Kyle, when I looked at this, I mean, it's no surprise. Um, and by the way, I think Nick Tamro, who did the morning lines, who's been on the show several times, who you and I will be sitting with next mm -hmm. to at the Breeders' Cup so we can give him some crap if we don't like some morning lines <laughs> in, to his face personally. I think overall did a great job. This is a very yeah. difficult job, the morning lines to the Breeders' Cup. Oh. I mean, look at look at this field and look at these morning lines. Kyle, who got the best of it? Who got the worst of it? What do you think? I mean, I don't think any of the favorites really drew that bad. I mean, Chocolate Gelato, Chop Chop, and Wonder Wheel, I don't think any of them really got a bad post. But again, like you just said, I mean, 7-2 to two on Chocolate Gelato, it's probably going to be around the number. This race is just, again, it's juveniles, it's two turns on the dirt. I mean, it, they could go any which way. You can make a case for a lot of these horses. But I know... Um, I think Howard really liked Raging Sea and being all the way out in the parking lot is not a good place to be. I did like Raging Sea. I did. It's not, Now it's past tense. Uh, Paul, <laughs> quick thoughts. I was just going to say, uh, when I mentioned that the, the open the show, that uh, Chad Brown uh, took the worst of it. This was one of two key examples, Raging mm -hmm. Sea drawing the outside. Now, he does get Pratt. Uh, she does get Pratt. Yep, here we go. She does get Pratt. Yep. There we go. And, um, you know, she is a, she can be a little tactical. And I don't think the race, Howard, is the best addition ever. Uh, I'm really against Chocolate Gelato at, as, a, as a favorite type horse, to be honest with you. I mean, horse has done nothing wrong. One, two. You know, Bayer went down in the last race, which is not a good angle for this race. A, a declining buyer going into the race. Um, so I, I am going to be against chocolate gelato. And uh, I, I think I will still use Raging Sea, but I will be a little more temperate than I would have been because I, I did kind of like her too, Howard. 
Well, if you don't know what to do, you can always do what Patrick Kunzel says <laughs> and hit the good old all button. And, yeah. and rumor has it, by the way, rumor has it, guys, that Patrick has been pretty hot lately with his pick fives and had a nice score for over $1,000 this weekend. So, Patrick, congratulations. I'm not sure where you're getting your information other than this fantastic show, but uh, keep up the good work uh, there, uh, Patrick. Big fan of the show. We really appreciate him joining us uh, tonight. Guys, we'll talk more tomorrow. I really like Raging Sea. This post is awful. I don't know what Flavian's plan is going to be. I mean, he's going to have to leave from there. I, you know, think he she has big upside. I correct myself quick enough. She has big upside, um, but this post is awful. If Flavian wins from there, that would be amazing. But that will help her price. I'll say that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm agreeing. You know, did how it Wonder Wheel drew well. Five yeah. to Wonder Wheel is okay. She did, and I'm really not a fan of hers, but she drew well. I, I'm sort of against her. I'm also against Chalk and Gelato. Guys, this is – I think Chop Chop probably got the best post. Yeah. Um as a I like Chop Chop. Yeah. Um, and tell me no lies. The, the the West Coast horse is the three. Got a nice post. I just don't know how good those West Coast Phillies are. But th- this is a crazy race. This is yeah. going to be very close to an all button in our pick six syndicate. I think pretty much anything could happen here in the juvenile Phillies. All right, guys. Let's go on to the next race, the juvenile Phillies turf. And this is another very difficult race here. Uh, okay. Oh, so there's nothing to show there. That what is going on there? Okay. Um. All right. For some reason, it's not coming up here. Okay, we got an issue. That's all right. We'll just have to talk about it, guys. I don't know if you guys have the information in front of you or not. We're just gonna have to talk about it. We got it. Um. Yeah. The Juvenile Phillies turf. Uh, is a, a wide open race. I'm gonna I'm gonna go scramble guys now and see if I can find some uh, some fields here. Paul, why don't you talk about your opinions here of the Juvenile Phillies turf? Well, a horse. This is a case where Chad Brown did not do poorly at the entry uh, at the post position draw. He has the number four free look, uh, who ran second to Pleasant Passage in the Miss Grillo at uh, the Belmont at Aqueduct meet. I think the source has a very big chance. Pleasant Passage, who is a uh, Shug McGahee horse, interestingly won that race. And Nick sets Pleasant Passage at 12 to 1 and has free look at 6 to 1. Uh, they're right next to each other. Uh, I, I like of those two. I, I think free look uh, gets a long uh, look here. There's a lot of talk about Phil Bauer's horse, who also did poorly in the post through the uh, the 13 mm-hmm. now it's spelled x-i-g-e-r-a and i was thinking exagera or whatever and it's like shigera yeah. or something he was on tv this morning um but there's a horse that i, I think how it, what people need to do and, and we're trying to point them in the right direction go back and take a look at the alcibiades and then go back and take a look at the um miss grillo Okay, uh, take a look at the Jessamine. Uh, am I in the right race? Yeah. yeah, the Alcibiades. Yes. In other words, one of those those one of those preps is going to be stronger than the other. Uh, Chocolate Gelato in that group is uh, coming out of the uh, Chocolate Gelato is in the last race. I'm okay, Paul. Uh, I didn't mean Chocolate. Gelato. I meant uh, 
pleasant passage and free look uh, coming out of the Miss Grillo. And uh, there is the Natalma is the race up at Woodbine. Mm-hmm. You should take a look at. And uh, Phil Bauer's yeah. horse, Shijera, I think it's yeah. pronounced, uh, yeah. is coming out of the Alcibiades. So go back and take a look at those races and let your eyes do some work and see what you think of who ran well in those respective preps. I, I completely agree, Paul. I mean, I'm just like, in these races, especially, like, even the last race, these two-year races, I love to find key races like that. And that's why, actually, which I'm very happy about G. Laurie drawing William Buick, which probably, honestly, will dumb down her price. But, I mean, you can watch a race like that one at Woodbine. She had a lot of trouble through the stretch, was still coming on, and then lost to, I mean, she lost to a, a pretty big monster that day. So, I'm... I'm pretty heavy on G Laurie at 12 to one, just kind of putting my stuff out there a little bit, whether she can win or catch a piece underneath. I'll definitely be playing her both ways, but I don't think meditate even. I don't think meditate the morning light favorite. I don't necessarily think she drew bad either. I think this is a pretty good draw across the board, really, except for maybe Shigeru. Yeah, it's okay. I don't have a real strong opinion in this race in general. I was very, I'm very interested in general in midnight mile, but the Europe, but she got the 12. That's not ideal. Um, Pleasant Passage is a horse you guys know I've liked for a while on this show. Got a great post. It, it's another wide open race. Um, the Euros draw a little bit to the outside, which is going to be uh, interesting. Again, very, very tricky race, very wide open. These Friday races, guys, other than the next one we're going to talk about, um, look extremely, extremely difficult to me. Uh, what I'm going to do, guys, because I have a very minor tech issue on my end, uh, is I'm going to be I'm going to be able to get to the, um, you know, the PPs, or excuse me, the um, the post positions, but I'm actually doing it a little bit of a different way. So if it takes me slightly longer, guys, I'm going to apologize for that. Uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. There is a very heavy favorite that we all know about in this race, Cave Rock. Um, the three-hole, Paul, I don't think that's a problem really at all. Uh, the minor issue, guys, is I don't know if I can make this bigger. So I know it's a little bit small on the screen. I want to apologize to everyone that the number is a little bit small, but I'm sure a lot of people are looking at other things of their own information as well. K-Rock drawing the three, Paul, seems very good for him. I would agree. The way K-Rock runs, it shouldn't be a problem. Um, you know, I, I've heard people say that this is the most likely winner of the two days. I think that's a, that's mm-hmm. a bit of a reach when you're talking about a two-year-old where especially anything can happen. I really am going to take a pretty good shot here with the other Baffet, National Treasure. Mm-hmm. And I know I watched the race, so you don't have to put in the comments, you idiot Cave Rock ran away from him the last time. I understand that. Johnny Velasquez, the horse, took a big jump up buyer-wise last time. Now, again, so did Cave Rock. He's seven points behind Cave Rock. Cave Rock stays around that same 104, 105, and uh, National Treasure jumps up six or seven points. We got a horse race. I think the the post uh, for Johnny uh, in the 10 is okay. You typically wouldn't want to be on the far outside, but in a field of 10, it's different than a field of 12 or a field of 14. And uh, again, Cave Rock's going to take some beating, but I am going to have national treasure very likely as an A or a hard B plus. 
Uh, Paul, get this. We got a fan of Suffolk Downs. Felice looks like that thing's cave rock will look like cigar in the mass cap uh, in past years. Uh, that's that's very possible. Kyle, I don't think National Treasure is going to put a lot of pressure on Cape Rock. They're both Bafferts. I think National Treasure will get a nice trip. There is one horse. Um, well, I'll let you talk. Go ahead. There's one horse that I think is fascinating in this race for a certain reason, but go ahead. No, you're good. I mean, I was thinking, I think Paul too was taking a little bit of a shot at me because in our uh, in our pre-entry show, I did say Cave Rock was going to be the most likely winner, but I do understand the point. Two-year-olds, anything can happen. This horse takes pressure and I mean, it could be any, anything could happen, but I, I just don't, I don't see him losing. I just don't. I mean, I like I like the fact that I, that two-year-olds that get out front, i just like that angle, especially in these types of races that with the races he's run at Santa Anita on a tight track. I, I mean, I'm just all for cave rock in this race. I just don't see it going any other way. I know Howard scored on blazing sevens before, and I do see, I don't see like national treasure is definitely a threat to go underneath. I mean, if you have a Baffert, Baffert exacta like we've had in previous years, I don't see why that can't happen either. Paul, I'm not, I, I think Nick Tamar did a great job. I'm not buying these odds. I would not be shocked at all if National Treasure is not second choice in this race. I just want to throw that out there. The other thing I want to say, two quick things. Of course, the big handicapping we'll talk about tomorrow. Hurricane J, is everyone listening now? Hurricane J, the one horse, has zero shot to win this race. Zero. But they scratched him out of the Bowman Mill last uh, this past weekend to run in this spot. Joe Talon's got the rail. And this if you look carefully at the PPs, we'll talk about this one tomorrow. Guys, this is the only horse that I think could even sniff Cave Rock for half a mile. I'm not saying Blade, Hurricane J is a threat at all. All I'm saying is with Hurricane Jail getting the, a gay, Jay getting the rail, he has to go. He has to go. And I would not be surprised if he gives Cave Rock a hard time early going some crazy like 45 and people are looking at the screen. It's like, what is this 50 to one shot effing up the favorite for? I can just, I have that vision right now. Guys, we'll talk more tomorrow. Blazing seven to me is fascinating for a lot of reasons. I love the post too. Uh, Patrick Kunzel said, who are we pairing up in the exacta? That's my horse right now. And I wouldn't completely shock me if blazing sevens wins Friday. But anyway, uh, Cave Rock had a great post. I don't think any of us would doubt that. And he's a very likely winner. Paul, as I go ahead and switch to uh, the last race on Friday, the juvenile turf, how, how do you see Cave Rock moving forward? I mean, he's by arrogant, but he's very headstrong. He's really fast. Um, I don't, you know, we, we fell down this rabbit hole before where, oh, if he draws off and wins this race by five, he's going to win the Derby by six. I mean, I, I don't know right now. It's really too hard to say, isn't it? Well, all you have to do is look at the history of the juvenile winner in the Derby, and it's not really that good. And, you know, you take a look at the juvenile last year, it turned out to be a horrific uh, reverse key race. So, yeah. you know, I mean, he's going to be, if he wins this race, you know, he's the he's the, the favorite, the, the Derby favorite as of Friday, but that's uh, seven, six, seven months out. Uh, also, be interesting to see if uh, if Cave Rock, if Baffert does lose, and you know can't can't run in the Derby, uh, where Cave Rock goes, and uh, maybe this could be Mister Dettori's Derby horse that he's looking for. Uh, that would that would that would be interesting to me. Uh, we'll have to see. 
Um, by the way, take it easy on last year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile. My, my poor command performance is, is trying his heart out still to try. Yeah, to, he's doing you know, great. Yeah, happy, but, uh, trying his yeah, heart That, that one didn't quite uh, pan out. All right, guys, let's get to the last uh, race on Friday. This is the, and, and I apologize for the graphic. This came from Breeders' Cup, and we screwed this up today. If I go forward, guys, you don't see anything. And so I'm very busy. It's 5-1 to one for Chad, the 8-horse. I think you can see the other prices we'll, we'll mention anything again i apologize for what it looks like on the screen but i wanted to show i think these graphics are sort of cool and i like them paul quick thoughts on the juvenile turf post um i well i think it's a very good betting race i like packs a wallet a uh, packs a wallop a little bit uh didn't get hurt uh having the two uh silver knot was a horse that uh, davy thought i think davy said was, might be over bet uh However, he also said he wants firm. And, you know, they did get some rain overnight last night at Keeneland. The track was a little muddy during the early hours of training today. Yes, I did watch the entire three-hour FanDuel TV show. And uh, It wouldn't be because I, you're not working and I am working. Would that be part of it? Well, I will tell you what, Howard. I did a fair amount of work from home today. Uh, and then once 2.30 came and the uh, post-position draw came on, everything was shut off. Uh, I, I had to work, and Kyle almost got me in trouble today, but that's a whole other story. I think it's we'll a very good – We'll talk about that off camera. I, I think it's a very good uh, betting race, Howard. I really do. Okay. I, I yeah. really think this is a, a good opportunity. Okay. Uh, by the way, over 100 views just on YouTube right now, guys, which means we probably have several hundred watching right now. Thanks for we, joining. I would hope so. It's Breeders' Cup Week. Where are the that's rest right. of the people? We'll come to their house. <laughs> I mean, thanks for joining us for HHH Racing Podcast. Why would you go? We, I, I do want to say seriously, guys, real quick. People have a lot of choices this week and throughout the yeah. year to watch many different podcasts. They're growing on YouTube. We have a lot of competition. I never see it that way. We do want to thank all of you, the viewers and listeners, for joining the HHH Racing Podcast. We've been on, for those of you not familiar with our podcast or first-time watchers, we, we've been on since last year, January, so close to two years. We started from scratch. We now have over 1,600 or close to 1,600 subscribers. We're very proud of it. Uh, so please make sure you spread the word uh, about the HHH Racing Podcast. Go to our YouTube channel. Go to our website. There's a lot of great information out there. We really do appreciate all your support. Speaking of which, if you do go, I haven't really talked about this, guys, enough. But if you do go to our website, in the top right-hand corner, there is a donate button. You can donate a dollar, $2.00. Hell, donate $500. That's fine with us. Um, but you, you can you can donate to the channel in many different ways. There is a donate button. We greatly appreciate any support. Uh, we thank you for that. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on the Juvenile Turf? I mean, the only thing I know, Davey was also interested. I was a little interested in Victoria Road. And drawing the one, I mean, it's fine. But being on the inside, especially in a 14-horse field coming from home as, as two-year-olds, it's not my favorite thing. So I'm, it's a little bit wishy-washy for me now at this point. But, I mean, and the winner is, if you like if you like him, he drew really well. I'm very busy, drew very well with a lot of tactical speed. I mean, there's a lot of ways to go in this race, just like every other race it seems like on this Friday, maybe except for the juvenile. But, I mean, it's just this Friday should be a really good rate day to make some money and gear up for Breeders' Cup Saturday. Uh, another very difficult race. Uh, Victoria Road's a horse I'm interested in. I just didn't want Victoria Road to draw the far outside. Some might think the one hole is bad for a Euro. Watch the show. Here's another thing, guys. 
especially if you're if you are new to the show episode i'm gonna screw up the number i think it's 198 i've done so many 198 with davy lane the european uh special we talked about victoria road in detail this horse breaks fantastically mm-hmm. not just for a euro like just breaks really well because of that i'm less worried about the rail guys he also wants to be covered up i don't have an issue with the rail i think victoria road drew well packs a while by agree paul drew well silver knot who i don't really like did draw well before um it's gonna be interesting by the way most stash uh the number 12 who's 20 to 1 um i didn't think would be in this race i thought he'd be in the sprint he actually had a very interesting trip last time in a sprint race if the number 12 most stash can to can uh, uh can uh, get the distance just watch the replay of his last race. That, I just want to throw that out there. But anyway, guys, this can be a great Friday. The juvenile races are very difficult other than Cave Rock. I think we'd all agree with that. All right, guys, let's get to Saturday. I think what we're going to do, guys, we're going to go over a few races Saturday. We'll take a quick one-minute break, and then we'll uh, come back to finish out the Saturday card. Uh, the first race on Saturday uh, is the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. And I'm going to save my handicapping comments for Wednesday. All I will say is I have a very, very, very strong opinion in the Breeders' Cup sprint. I have a horse that I absolutely love in this race, and she got a good post. There's a lot of speed in here. Paul, as I bring up the PPs here in just a second, like I said, it's going to take a little bit of a second here. What are your thoughts on the post positions for the Breeders' Cup Billy and Mare Sprint. I'll bring up the PPs here in just a second. The post positions. Um, I thought, well, the, the horse that I want to use, uh, Echo Zulu, did not draw well. Uh, although, didn't draw, put it this way. If you got to be far outside, I'd rather be far outside at seven furlongs than a mile going around two turns where you have the turns right on top of you. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't think it's it's awful. Um you know, this horse is six for seven lifetime and, and lost the Kentucky Oaks, as it turns out, at a distance that she wanted no part of. So uh, if she's six to one morning line, as Mr. Tamaro predicts she will be, I'll be using her. Um, I think, Howard, uh, this will probably fit in with the horse you like, and I don't know who it is, but I think that we might have a rerun. And this don't be surprised if this race is won from relatively uh, far back uh, again. And, and I, I see a horse that I know I'm going to use that falls into that uh, uh, chain of thinking. Uh, oh, we know, we, we know how it, that, you know, you have a daughter in this race, so you, you, I you, do. Can't, you, you, you can't put her up for adoption in the Breeders' Cup obligatory. Uh, so, you know, she got way behind the last, she had no chance last time, but, you know, it, it, race flow is going to have a lot to do with how this race comes out. You know, you have the defending champ, Cece, who was who a seven furlong specialist who, you know, uh, had a, ran poorly in the ballerina in Saratoga. But, you know, other than that, it, it's run pretty well this year. So uh, I, I think it's a, it's a very competitive race, and I'm not going to be surprised when it's won from behind. Kyle, your thoughts? Um, I mean, the one thing that I was going to say is this shapes up exactly kind of like the juvenile turf sprint in a way that you have all these horses that want to come flying from the outside for the lead. 
And, you know, it sets up. And again, I was going to what I was going to say was uh, if you watch this show for any period of time, you'd exactly know Howard's daughters in this race and you know exactly who he's kind of keying in on. But I mean, CC, like Howard, like Paul just mentioned, I mean, defending champion, granted, this a race like this is extremely hard to repeat in. But uh, if the race shows up like it like it says it will on paper, CC has definitely got the running style to be able to be in this race because. I mean, the 10, 12, 13, and even slam the one's probably going to go from the inside post. So a lot, a lot of setup here for these, uh, for the four and the seven. Uh, by the way, you want to thank the ghost zapper, who's uh, not only a great horse, but a new viewer <laughs> of the show. So ghost zapper, thanks for uh, joining the show. Like Raleigh miles. I just want to mention a lot of our great new people uh, in the chat. Kevin B made a good point here. I just put up a second ago that there is a lot of speed. Uh, in this race, especially on the outside and on the inside, you got slammed in Edgeway or speed on the inside, guys. Um, Chi-Town Lady, by the way, is not that slow, the three. Then you've got a few horses that are more closers, sort of mid-pack. Uh, and then you've got uh, Goodnight Owl, Hot Peppers, Lady Rocket, Echo Zulu. And I talked to Marshall Graham yesterday. And again, another show I'm very proud of, guys. Check out the BCBC show where we talked about live money contests with two former champions, Matt Miller and uh, Marshall Graham, and then another fantastic handicapper and um, contest player, Frank Mustari. Um, Marshall Graham has connections with Lady Rocket and uh, Frank's Rocket, and they mentioned Lady Rocket pretty much has to go, the 12. So um, you're right, Paul, but horses have won from way outside. Echo Zulu draws a 13. Um, that's pretty far outside, and I have a hard time believing she's not going to be three or four wide throughout or at least some point. So unless unless Santana finds a way to tuck in, which would be a semi-miracle, but I suppose it's possible, um, Echo Zulu is going to have her hands full, Paul. I was really not a fan of her anyway. I'm less of a fan of her now. Well, group, Groupie Doll won from the 11, remember? My girl Groupie Doll, who was the only one to win this race back-to-back. No okay, respect. Echo see- Zulu is no Groupie Doll, in my opinion. Right. However, remember this about Echo Zulu in the post. Echo Zulu went to the lead last time because she was on the rail in the dogwood, and they just yeah. figured, they, and she was one to two, let's not screw around and send. She yeah. doesn't have to go to the lead here. She's basically, you know, you treat her like a cutback like she was last time. Uh, you know, am I thrilled with Santana on, on this one? Nothing against him, but, you know, he's more of a go type. I'd rather have someone who's a little more tactical. But, you know, again, I think the, the horse is two for two at this distance. I think she's going to turn out to be a very good one-turn horse going forward. And uh, I, I am going to be using her. So there, Howard. Okay. Uh, Kyle, final thoughts before we talk about the turf sprint. I mean, that's completely fair. I mean, there's a lot of these horses that can possibly sit that tactical trip getting that first jump. But, for me, just personally, whether, you know, obviously Echo Zulu is very good. She's shown it before. There's no reason why, you know, I don't personally, I don't like her. But if there was a scenario where she could tuck in, I don't think it's completely impossible at all that she can win. But, I mean, this is definitely another race that you can probably catch a price on someone coming from behind. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think this race could completely collapse. Guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, talk about the turf sprint. We're going to take a quick up. Oh, I can tell you, I love, I love, I love who's, the last Howard, who's going to call this race next year? Um, it wouldn't be your friend and ours, Miss Jessica Paquette, would it be? 
How great is that? I know there's That's, a lot else going yeah. on, but how yeah, great that is, is that? Yeah, that is very cool. No question about it. And I did not know that Angela Herman, who's been on this show, who's at Canterbury now, is actually the first woman to call a full card in the history oh, of horse racing in the yep. United States. I didn't actually know that. I read more into the story. Yep. So that's pretty cool, too. And Jessica's number two. She will be a park starting in December. Very so you cool. come on the HHH Racing Podcast, and your career just takes off. Yeah. Kyle, you are the notable exception, unfortunately. Uh, this, this is no, he's, he's not wrong. It's okay. I'll Paul, just... like I said to Kyle five or six years ago, he'd be out with his buddies, you know, trick-or-treating and causing mayhem. And now, right. look at this young man. He's on our show with a big national mat- audience talking horses. So I would, We got him to be a mature degenerate. <laughs> no, trust me, it was before that. Don't you worry about that. And that is not an oxymoron, by the way, that, those two words. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Let's let, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the turf sprint. And now we're going to take about a, a one 90-second, 90, 90 two-minute break, give us a chance to take our deep breath, give people at home. Because listen, everyone's everyone's running out of pen. Their ink is running out with their pens. They gotta they're scrapping around, taking all these notes. So we'll take a short break after this turf sprint um, um, post positions, and then we'll uh, come back for the rest of the card, guys. Uh, the turf sprint. Uh, I, I'm gonna go first. How's that? I'm going first this time. Switch up. Uh, Golden Pal. Two things will not be two to one. Number one, <laughs> no. we'll be lower. Number two, this is a great post. Correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. When they were doing the post positions, I think the three and the eight were the last two posts to go. And Golden Pal had not been called. And I was thinking to myself, okay, if Golden Pal catches the three, that would not be ideal. You don't really want to be stuck down inside. I know he's super fast, but I prefer to be to the outside. And when they said number eight, Golden Pal, I was like, race over. Paul? Yeah, well, uh, you know, and I've been, of course, trying to beat him, but that it, that was literally the last post run. Yeah. The eight mm-hmm. Golden Pal was the only one left, and the he was that was. You're right, Howard. I'm not positive. There was something inside. I'm not positive yeah. which one, but it it he Golden Pal's name came out last, and he got probably the best post. So, uh, yes, he is going to take some beating, but you know. We have we have four day, five days to figure out how to do it. Well, I know you've been very clear, just for all of our new viewers and people who've been watching. And Paul might be right, Saturday. We'll see. Paul's been steadfast. How's that? Good word, right, Paul? Good word. Like I, I know you're the wordsmith. He has been very firm on his beliefs that Golden Pal's regressing a bit and is very vulnerable. I tend to disagree. We'll see. Kyle, thoughts on Golden Pal? Um, his post, not not the handicapping, and others that you see that got good or bad posts. Yeah, I mean, I said the same thing. I was sitting there in the lunchroom at work, and I said, I literally said out loud, I said, oh, race is over. Once he got the eight, and then some, some guy looks at me and goes, what? I said, don't worry about it, nothing. You won't understand. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just think Golden Pal, just how he is at Keeneland, drawing the eight, clears. If he has to sit outside of Highfield Princess, if, she actually, if he actually is that fast, which... I don't, I don't think he's as fast as Golden Pal. I don't think anyone's as fast as Golden Pal nearly in this race. But it, it's just the way it's going to be. I like that Casa Creed kind of drew outside. I like when that horse has a little bit more outside in the lane to run at. And I don't think Camp, I think Campanelle getting Dettori, I don't think that horse is nearly impos- necessarily impossible either to catch a piece underneath Golden Pal. I don't think, I mean, I really don't think anyone truly got the ass end of it, for lack of a better term. But yeah. Um, yeah, I just think Golden Pal got definitely the supreme draw out of all of it. 
if you guys can comment, and I am serious about this, I'm going to go back. Um, that that view that I had with us at the bottom of the screen, I don't put up too often. Please comment. Paul likes that. Please comment in the chat. Do you guys do you guys actually prefer this view or on the side? If I bring up comments, though, then, like, for example, Carl Mounts, a new viewer of the show. Carl, thank you very much. From Great Britain. Carl, we, worldwide it's audience like, here. Carl, thanks for joining the show. So we really like appreciate it. But but I am serious. Yeah, it's really late. But it's, it's very early in the morning there. So thanks, Carl. I am serious. A comment in the chat or maybe below the video player. Uh, do you like this view or perhaps you like this view better? We're actually on the bottom of the screen. The problem is, guys, when we bring up uh, banners, then it gets a little bit tricky. But anyway, uh, real quick, my thought here is Creative Force, horrible post of the one. I thought Creative Force was interesting with William Buick. Not good at all. Captain L, the number four, fantastic post, although it might not matter. Highfield Princess, perfectly fine, the six, although I think Highfield would have been better, guys, drawing outside of Golden Pal. Yeah. Just my general opinion. And then Artist City Limits, the 14, like Caravel, not good post at all. Brandon Casacreed, who could be horses underneath, draw pretty far outside, not ideal uh, either. I think the moral of the story, guys, is Golden Pal got a great post. I think anything outside of 13, 14, 1 or 2, and people would have been pretty happy if you're a Golden Pal fan, and that's what he got. Uh, final thoughts, Paul, as I set up something for a quick break here. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of like Creative Force. Um... You know, I don't think it's so deal. The, the the whole key how it is, someone has to go with Golden Pill. You know yeah. that you're not gonna. I don't think he's uncatchable, but he's uncatchable if no one runs with him the first quarter mile. And yeah. you know that's that's gonna be you know that is gonna be the question. You know, um, I think Davey was kind of against Highfield Princess uh, on your show, right? Right, Howard. Yes, I took was. notes. I want you to know. I went back and watched it. I took assiduous notes. I, I'm sure you did. Wait, what was that word? Um, assiduous. That was a word. Very good. Frankie does have a history with Campanell. He's ridden mm -hmm. him five times. Uh, he, he rode him in the Juvenile Phillies turf two years ago. Yeah. Uh, he's ridden him in Ascot. Uh, her. Sorry, her. There we go. Uh, By the so, way, Paul, 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 Kyle knows all these words because he went to the Harvard of the Midwest. Kyle, tell them where you went to college. Yeah, I went to Carroll University, the the very small Harvard of the Midwest. Yeah, that's what people call all right. it. That's good. All right. So, um, guys, here's, yeah, oh, so sorry, we'll see. Quick, you know, finish your thought there, Paul. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I was thinking, I was watching the draw as Kyle was, and I was just thinking that, uh, like you said, Howard, I'm thinking, you know, put them in a somewhere to, to make it not ideal. I mean, if you asked Wesley Ward, he probably would have picked six, seven, eight, right? So, uh, yeah, he's going to take some beating, but it's early in the card, and he can go wire to wire, and I'll still have plenty of pick fours, fives, and sixes to play. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's going to be uh, a lot of people are going to be leaning on him, I would think, and a lot of uh, exotics for sure. So, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take, take literally about a two-minute break. That's it. 90 seconds, two minutes. Let everyone catch their breath. And then when we come back, guys, we'll be back for the last, let me, one, two, three, five, I'm doing the math here. One, uh, what is it? Two, seven, I believe. The last That's seven eight, races. Eight. Is it eight? Okay. The last, no, we've covered two, Paul. No, nine. we covered two. You're right. Yeah. Uh, the last seven races on Saturday. So I'm going to take a quick trip to the bathroom, go go grab a beverage. 
We will be there goes Paul. I mean right now, Paul. I mean, wait till I'm off the screen. That's okay. I was gonna I was gonna say I was gonna but, wait. That's all right. Uh we will be back in two minutes, everyone, with the rest of the uh card here for Saturday. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Thanks for watching the HHH Racing Podcast. You've picked your power forward. Your all-star receiver keeps scoring. Now it's time to race across the finish line and put even more points on the board. Download the Stable Duel app and get in on the thrill of horse racing. Choose your horses, your jockeys, your track, and win thousands in daily games competing against other players. Move up the annual leaderboard and bring home real cash prizes daily. Get in the game with Stable Duel. Play, race, win. All right, we are back here on the HHH Racing Podcast. Had to take care of a few uh, advertisements there. Of course, our proud sponsor, Stable Duel, along with the Adelphi Racing Club, and of course, also Hawthorne Racecourse, Chicago's hometown track. Guys, let's go ahead and talk about. We have seven more races to discuss. We'll do it relatively briefly here. Let's discuss. Uh, Kyle, I was going to have you actually say the sponsor. I know you love the sponsor. That's right. Kyle, who's the sponsor of the uh, of the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, by the way? The best one to say, and I know it's the, what they love saying on live YouTube, big-ass fans, there Dirt Mile. The, the big-ass fans, Breeders' Cup, uh, Dirt Mile. Oh, what do we got there? 
<laughs> I, no, it's on my desk at work. I have that too. I love it. The, there's the that's sort of a small ass that I have to say, but anyway, that that's what we, we, we get the point. Uh, we get the point. Um, all right, let's talk about guys the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Um, I don't have a real strong opinion in this race, uh, handicapping wise. Of course, we'll talk about this on Saturday. Um, guys, let's try it. Let, let's focus on the post positions here, uh, with our comments. Uh, Paul, who got the best or worst of it? It's a very short run into the first turn. You know, we should have mentioned. We, we were remiss in mentioning this, Paul, and I feel bad we should have. On Friday, just to go back a little bit, the two juvenile races are very short run in the first turn, the, the, the dirt races. Short runs in the first turn, a, a um, shorter stretch with a mid-stretch first-line finish. So you really can't be too far back in the Friday dirt races. I, I, we should have mentioned that as we were talking about it. Uh, this race, uh, Paul, very short run in the first turn. Um, that, that can have a big effect on this race. There's 11 horses. You obviously don't want to be wide. Um, who do you think got the best or worst of it here? I am all over simplification to be on the board in this race. Okay. And I think the two is excellent. For, I want inside in this configuration. And most importantly, I go from Paco Lopez to Luis Saez, which is a Grand Canyon-esque upgrade in jockeys. Um, I think that this Antonio Sano, uh, I was there. That was the Pennsylvania Derby. As you know, I was reporting live for the show. He was livid with Paco Lopez after that race. Paco Lopez was told go to the lead, but as he tends to do, Paco wants to do things his way and did not go to the lead. And Mr. Sano was not happy about it. Hence, Mr. Saez is on this horse. This horse could be forward. He's cutting back. Uh, Saez is definitely going to send him. And I think that this horse is going to go a long way. And I will have him on top a little bit. But I think he is one of your classic reverse tri-key horses, Howard. Uh, I love the play. So you think he's going to be on the lead? You think they're just going to send it all costs, basically? I I think that I'm not going to say send it all costs. But I'll tell you what, Howard. Uh, How hard do they have to send? Now, Pipeline is the horse that forced Jackie's Warriors hand in the forego. So you'd have to think that pipeline uh, stretching out to a mile is, is going to go. Uh, that's one, um, you know, gunite is tactical informative as a, as a hopeless long shot. The horse I like in the race though, you know, we're talking about this on Wednesday night, but my top pick is going to be cyber knife. Uh, I think okay. they, they picked, they picked the right race. And I think the nine post is, is, is going to be just fine. Um, but, uh, and, and Cyberknife was, you know, right on top of the pace in the Travers. That did, did a lot of running in the Travers. So, but yeah, I think simplification. If we're talking about the post, uh, I think getting the two, knowing that they want to be forward uh, and can save ground, I think, I think he did uh, pretty well at the uh, entry box today. Kyle? Again, I know Paul's going to want to talk about it a lot on Thursday, but I mean, just Cody's wish. If you're not rooting for this horse on Saturday, I I couldn't tell you what you're going to do. I mean, Cody's wish, just the story alone. But I mean, the race doesn't set up necessarily poorly for him. He's going to be towards the middle. He's going to have a clear run, most most hopefully. But I mean, this horse is impossible. He's been he's getting hot at the right time coming into this race. Beat Jackie's Warrior. Granted, Pipeline ran basically with them for three quarters of a mile or half a mile. Sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Cody's wish. 
I think you're going to get five to two on Cody's wish, maybe two to one. But I mean, playing him with exactas with horses like simplification could really get you some guys value. And who was this with? Who was this wearing a Saratoga special hat, Howard? That's Cody. That's Cody. How's that? Very cool. Uh, it's, it's 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 a really it's a great story. We've talked about it oh. uh, a few times. Um, I think um, Kevin B's got a great question here. Laura Little has to be mm-hmm. shorter on the day. I think so. This is a Baffert horse who has got big numbers and speedy. I think Laurel River's going to be more like three to one. I actually, I, I think Laurel River could be the favorite in, in this race. Um, my general thoughts in terms of post position is you don't want to be very wide. I think everyone did just fine. Mm-hmm. If you like simplification like Paul does, that's a good spot. Um, Gunite, who I don't like this race at all, got a good post. Laura River is fine. Cody's Witch can sit off the inside speed. Cyberknife can stalk outside of the speed that's going to go. Um, I, I really, I, I actually think a lot of horses got really good posts in that race. You got bombs on the outside that don't really matter much in theory. Um, so I actually, you know, if you want a fairly run race, I mean, you never know, but if you want a fairly run race, I'd say the dirt mile actually turned out to be one of those uh, races. Uh, guys, let's go back to the Kevin turf. B. Howard. Uh, Kevin B. brings up a good point, but I think it applies even more to Cody's wish. He said, "Kevin B. says he wishes uh, Gunite had a race around two turns." This is the dilemma with Cody's wish: five for five at a mile, which this race is, all of them one turn mm-hmm. miles. That he did, you he know, did again, run well. Yeah, he, I was in this. He did run well in the cha- I think it was the Challenger Stakes at Tampa Bay. Am I? Remember that correctly, Paul, the two-turn race at Tampa? Um, yes, I it was. He, yep. right? that, that's how sick I am right now, guys. we got, what, 200 horses? And I'm just calling out a specific line in a race because I'm a sicko. Um, but, yeah, Cody's wish is probably mm. better around one turn. Um, but I I think but, the race is going to set up well for him. Uh, I mean, beating set. Dynamic 1 that day, just losing to Scalding. I mean, he's not, he didn't necessarily didn't lose to bad horses or beat bad horses no. whatsoever. No, not at all. All right, guys, Philly Mare Turf, uh, as we move on to the next race here. Uh, a field of 12. This is basically the Euros versus uh, Chad Brown. Now, we. this is very important that I'm going to put us, I like this sort of cinema view. The, the, the posts don't matter very much in this race. And the reason is because I should have brought up the track configuration. I'll, I should remember. I'll do that for the next two days, guys. Um, actually, I might try to bring it up to that, tonight here before we leave. This race is a mile 316. So it changes like every year, depending on where it's run. This is at the top of the stretch. Um, there is a very, the longest run possible, basically, into the first turn happens in this race. And if you want to go back and watch the other two previous runnings of this race at Keeneland, you'll know what I'm talking about. Kyle, I don't really think post position means that much in this race. There's plenty of time to get to the first turn. Um, but, you know, just for argument's sake, who do you think uh, got the best of the draws here? I mean, I think the Euros are the ones that are going to get the best of the draw. I mean, drawing three, four, five on the inside there. I mean, getting just having, you know, not as much speed as the rest of them. But, I mean, they're going to have enough speed to sit tactically in the middle, get covered up. I think the Euros got a very nice draw in this race. I mean, you can argue an Italian got a bad post drawing next to Virginia Joy. Granted, they're stable mates, though, so I don't know how much they're going to want to fight each other. I mean, in Italian's going to probably None. exactly. I can ask that uh, question. None. Well, <laughs> yes, that's correct. But I think I just think in Italian's faster than Virginia Joy is probably going to get out in front. I mean, Lady oh. Spite Spear is going to be up there towards the front, but 
I mean, I don't think an Italian necessarily got a bad post, although some people are going to argue it. Like you said, it's a, it's the longest run of the first turn that you can get. I mean, like you said, post really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Paul? Yeah, I think the, the Euros are going to be tough here. I, I'm going to take a long look at Moira, who's not a Euro, but a Canadian that picks mm-hmm. up Frankie Dettori. Uh We've talked about it uh, coming off a, a, a really bad trip in the E.P. Taylor. Uh, you know, Nashua is, is a serious uh, filly. This uh, three-year-old filly that Holly Doyle is coming from Japan to ride. She and her husband, Tom Marquand, started riding in Japan last weekend for about three months, but obviously she's coming over for this. Um, so I, I think uh, Kyle uh, is on to something. I, I think Nashua is going to be tough. And, you know, Howard, of course, you and I can't be right on Regier. So we, we were all over him. He lost. He, I didn't have a nickel on him last time. He wins it almost five and a half to one. Wait um, a minute, Paul. Who, who say again? Did you say he? She. 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 I, I, <laughs> Kyle, I'm pretty sure I heard. By the way, for those people who are what is going on, when we give the wrong gender of the horse, it's a drink. We do game. all the time. Join us at home, everyone. Any <laughs> wrong gender. Have a beverage. Go ahead, Paul. I'll let you finish anyway. You know, Aiden O'Brien has a horse here who was run against the boys, uh, speaking of boys, in Tuesday. Uh, there's been some chatter about uh, that horse. Uh, his his guy, Ryan Moore, comes over to ride him. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, you never want to count out a Chad Brown, and Chad has won this race four of the last nine years. But And, and coming off a win, but I would be shocked if Virginia Joy finds a way to win this race. Of of all the chads, I I do not like that horse even a little bit, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm going to look at. I, I think Nashua is the most likely winner. Didn't get hurt by the post, but I am going to take a, a long look at Moira and uh, see. And and of course, in Italian is the horse who's really in the best form of the U.S. horses. Uh, I, again, handicapping mainly is going to be the next two nights. In Italian, I think we'll have no issue clearing at all. The 11 hole is absolutely fine. Virginia Joy, it, just uh, her inside is not nearly as fast. And if Irad even breathes on Joelle, I don't think <laughs> Irad's going to ride a horse for Chad ever again. So that ain't that ain't happening. The, the one thing that's interesting that people need to take note, are some of these Euros on the inside, especially Nashua and a little bit of Tuesday, do have some decent early speed. Um, I expect Holly Doyle to be asked early on Nashua and not be that far off for, uh, in Italian. In fact, I think Nashua might be in just in that, just right behind the leaders there. At least that's what I'm personally hoping. So just because you see Euros doesn't mean they're going to be slow. Uh, Moira, if you like Moira, I'm not too concerned about the outside post. That should be fine. The problem here, Paul, and I'm going to go full screen, is that if you project this race to not have a lot of speed in it, and you have a horse like Myra who's mired on the outside, that's a problem. Like, if you mm-hmm. like Myra, you actually want a bunch of speed to sort of spread out the field. So right. that I don't think that works real well for Moira being outside in this particular sequence or this, this situation because there's not a lot of speed to spread the field. I can see a lot of, like, bunch together, Paul, and see him, her, like, being stuck out in, like, the four or five path. That That's my issue. Just wanted to bring that up. Uh, there and it's it's a plenty. There, there's a decent run in the stretch. Um, it's going to be a very good race. The turf, the weather is going to be incredible. By the way, it looks like. I mean, I'm just blown away how good the weather is going to be. Um, they did get a bunch of rain yesterday, Keelan. They expected to get rain 
Um, and it's not going to be like really hot or really uh, sunny this week. It's going to be more like a little bit cloudy, but it's going to be in the 60s. Um, so the turf is not going to be firm at all by any means, but it's also not going to be um, yielding. It's uh, They might list it as firm. I think it's going to be on good. I think it's going to be very yeah, but good is my it, opinion. It's, Howard, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot Howard, it's going to be a lot firmer than you would expect in Kentucky the first weekend in oh, November. No yeah. question about that. No question about it. All right, guys, let's go to the Breeders' Cup sprint. Um, we already talked about, if you, if you missed us at the beginning of the show, uh, when the show is over, go back and listen to the first 10 minutes because there were two big things that happened today outside of post positions. One is Frankie DeTore announced that he's going to be riding in Santa Anita in the winter. And the other... Uh, most people would say, unfortunately, is Jack Christopher out of the Breeders' Cup completely. Uh, again, you can read about it. You can watch our first 15 minutes. We talked about it. Uh, Paul, you expressed your disappointment. Actually, Kyle, let you go first. Um, you guys both sort of expressed your uh, disappointment. You've got Jackie's Warrior 4 to 5. Again, we're going to focus on the post positions, not the handicapping. Jackie's Warrior has been inside many of his races. I think he was in the three-hole last year when he lost – at Santa Anita was getting pushed from the outside. Jackie's Warrior has zero excuses, in my opinion, breaking from the nine hole. And other than Super Ocho, the seven, who is a horse cow that you and I should know because that was a horse mm-hmm. that we saw run when we were playing in a live contest, who is very fast and will not get steadied this time. My guess is Jackie just sits off of Super Ocho and goes by. Yeah, I mean, and I said it in the text chat earlier. I said it at the top of the show. This is completely Jackie's Warriors race to lose now. I mean, it's getting the final, finally getting that outside post that <laughs> that Steve and Joel have dreamed of for this horse. Finally getting it to sit off Super Ocho. I and there's no way without Jack Christopher in my eyes. I mean, I don't see a scenario where Jackie Warriors lose. Jackie's Warrior loses. Um, just being able to get that good trip again. I'm still interested in Kamari for a un- uh, piece under underneath but having a closing kick to kind of get to jackie's where i don't think it's going to be good enough to catch i don't think jackie's word also is not and you're gonna you can say cody's wish caught her caught him last time but i i don't think jackie's were going to be nearly as pushed as hard as he was last race paul in terms of underneath um you know kamari who is second choice really nice philly <clears throat> got a very good post i don't think two any amount to two uh, american theorem who also is a nice horse. I wish drew further out. I think the further outside, the better for American Theorem. He's a big, sort of a, you know, a big, langy, uh, fast horse that's been doing better on the outside. And let's not forget Aloha West, who was coming back last year as the Breeze Cup champion. I mean, this, we're probably overanalyzing it. Jackie's Warrior got a great post ball. That's really all we need to know. Yeah, to Kyle's point, Jackie's Warrior has run 17 times and has only drawn outside the six post twice. Drew the seven once in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and got beat by Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie. And keep me in mind, and drew the nine in the Saratoga Special, a race that I covered for the Saratoga Special, second career race in August of 2020, and won. Everything other than that has been inside the uh, seven post. So, uh, Kyle, you're right on target. Uh, we talked last week, Howard, the race at Saratoga, not only did Pipeline really push Jackie's Warrior, there is that matter of the extra furlong that he is not mm-hmm. going to have to navigate uh, 
on Saturday. So, hey, look, yeah. anything can happen, and I'm not here to tell you to uh, mortgage your house on a four to five shot. But I'm disappointed because I think Jackie's Warrior could have been closer to two to one, if not two to one, maybe nine to five, two to one, which with Jack Christopher in the race. And I was going to be all in on a rather large flat bet on Jackie's Warrior at those odds. Now the dynamic has changed. Paul, cut real quick because I noticed we have a lot of people watching that were not watching before. We've got fantastic power picks. This is our tip sheet. Look below the video player. It's only going to be four bucks this weekend. I mean, that's crazy. It's only 16 bucks for the entire month, and I'm not upcharging anything for the Breeders' Cup. We're not going to do that to you people out there. If you're interested, look below the video player. Sign up very soon. Um, it, you receive it every Saturday, but for this weekend, you'll receive it on Thursday. Uh, both editions of the of Breeders' Cup days, check that out. We also have a pick six syndicate. We're playing into the Friday pick six and Saturday pick six. This closes Wednesday at noon Eastern. If you are interested at all, email me immediately, hcravitzhorse at gmail.com. I'll send you the information on where you can send your money and how you sign up. We have almost $10,000 in the kitty to bet into those pick sixes. It's a great opportunity to do that. And then, of course, we have a fantastic website, hhhracingpodcast.com. Check that out as well. All right, guys. Breeders' Cup Mile. We've got, uh, what, three races? Four races left here. Breeders' Cup Mile. I think the post matters a lot in this kind of race. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a short run into the first turn. Um, they're pretty tight turns at Keeneland. I know some races posts don't matter. I think posts matter a lot here in this race. And the way these posts turned out, Paul, um, are very bad news, in my opinion, for some very likely horses that can be in the money like Annapolis drew the 11 Ken Ross, the, uh, the British uh, horse who was a very nice sprinter stretching out drew the 13 and poor domestic spending. Ah, what a great story. This is coming back of a year layoff and gets mired. Nice word for Paul Allen mired in the 14 hole. Absolutely brutal. Paul. Yeah. Chatty might've scratched the wrong horse today, Howard. <laughs> but, but, but let's be, Let's be clear, though. This is a very talented racehorse. And, you know, this horse kind of presents a problem because, you know, on his best day, you know, he is very, very formidable. But, you know, the combination of the – and the layoff with Chad, we talked about this last week. I think this horse kind of convinced Chad though he was just working so well. I don't think a month or two months ago Chad was thinking, I'm going to run this – have this horse ready for the Breeders' Cup. But – the horse is working so well, but you know who Howard who didn't get bothered by the post is Modern Games. Oh yeah. Do you, do <laughs> and you agree with Kevin here on the bottom of the screen, uh, Paul? I think that would be. I think Kevin is using great understatement to use the word gift. If Modern Games is seven to two, I will do something very foolish on the wagering front. Yeah, I, I, I think is the house mortgage on the line, perhaps <laughs> not quite because it's not paid. But okay. um, <laughs> I, I ah, just think you'll get it back of, in the pick six. Don't worry about it. Let me tell you one of the one of the key angles for this race historically, Howard, is having a horse who specializes in this distance. I brought it yeah. up last week when we did our yeah. first run through. One games, five starts, 
three wins, two seconds. The only difference, the only uh, caveat to that, I would say, is, you know, the Euros are always good for an extra furlong over here. You know, if they get seven over there, you assume they're going to get eight over here. And and that's where uh, I think Kinross comes in. But as you said, Howard, you know, is domestic spending in the 14, Kinross in the 13. So um, I just think Modern Games was the best horse coming in and got the best of it at the entry box. Kyle? My one's going to be used here. I 100% agree. And it's, I mean, that's another There's, time. By yep. the way, those of you at home, when Kyle says 100%, which he likes to say like five times a show, that's another <laughs> chance for you to drink at home. So go for yeah. it, everyone. No, I give myself a quota. I get maximum one now. But oh, wow. um, okay. that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. Everyone <laughs> wants to drink out there. I get it. Um, but yeah, a seven to two would be an absolute gift. I said it to reply to Kevin B in the chat. Absolute gift. I mean, this horse, especially with the U.S. form that it showed and Canada, sorry, North American form that it showed. I, I don't think this horse sniffs seven to two. And I really wish I really wanted domestic spending to get a good post in this race. I mean, like I said, I don't again, short run in the first turn, which is going to be really hard to navigate. But domestic spending, I mean, like Paul said, he's an extremely talented horse. And Howard said, of course, he's an extremely talented horse. I don't think he's going to have really I mean, he's going to have a hard time navigating. But with Flavian, I don't see I mean, if he's on his best and he's going to run like he's training, this horse might have a shot at least for underneath. And that would be what a great story that would be. Uh, Modern Games got a great post, much better than the other three. There's no way you're getting seven to two. This horse will be five to two at best, I would say. Um, a horse that I really wasn't considering. And again, we'll talk more uh, Wednesday. Um, two horses I just want to throw out there. Pogo is not a bad sprinter, and these Euros like to save ground and be covered up. The one is the one a great spot to be, not necessarily, but he is going to save ground in a big field. Miller is a smooth like straight, who I've always been a fan of. He's never going to get the job done. I don't like him to win, but I think there's not a lot of speed, guys. The five hole is perfect. I think he'll have the lead early, or at least have the opportunity to have the lead early. And a race where some of the more likely winners have bad posts, that's the situation where crazy stuff happens. So, um, I don't know. It's interesting. If you're modern, if you like, if you're a modern games fan, you got to absolutely love the post uh, for sure. How you know that. Drew well who could get lost here is Regal Glory, the, the, the male. Yeah, you know, but she has to be able to go by an Italian, so now she's going to go by a bunch of males. I well, don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, as far as being part of it, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of horses. Can be we're talking of. about draw, drawing the eight is, is is kind of ideal. She is a mile specialist. We talked about that. 12 out of 14 in the exacta. Um, she did run against the boys in the four-star Dave, and Casa Creed ran by her, uh, which is no, you know, that that's really nothing to be that ashamed of. You know, I'm, right. I'm not positive she's good enough to win, but, I think I'm going to be using her. I think uh, of the chatties, uh, okay. uh, she she may have the best shot. I want to make sure we recognize some of our new viewers of the show. And listen, folks, don't just come on. Don't just don't just come out of the chat for the Breeders' Cup. We've been we've been having incredible uh, shows and podcasts and coverage all year long. So please don't be a stranger. And also please subscribe. We'd really appreciate if you hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, um, hit hit the uh, like button. We'd appreciate all that. Uh, Mike Williams, we'll talk about Flightline a little bit. Mike, a new name I've seen. Thanks for joining the show, Mike. Really appreciate that. 
guys, we got three races left, and two of these last three especially are some of the two of the most highly anticipated races of the entire uh, weekend. So we're going to very quickly talk about post positions again. Tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be covering in detail the Friday card, going through PPs with Justin Christine, showing a lot of replays, etc. And then Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, close to two hours, covering every single Breeders' Cup race on Saturday and giving our top three opinions, including a pick five as well. Uh, the distaff, guys. A small field, but I'm not complaining about this field because literally everyone, I would say, except the five, awake at midnight, um, has a shot to win this race and probably this three secret oaths. But there are six horses, six of the best affiliate uh, mares in the country are together in this race. Paul Halloran, you got Malathot drawing the rail. You have Ines, the Moorline favorite, at nine to five in the six hole. And interesting enough, the two main speeds in this race are both on the outside drawing next to each other. That's a fascinating dynamic, Paul. Yeah, this is a great race, Howard, as you say. Although I, I'm gonna, I'm pretty squarely in the nest camp for this race. Um, although, don't sleep on society. Uh, speaking of our girl Jessica, who gave us society in the cotillion, but you know, I, I we'll talk more on Wednesday. But uh, you know, Clarier, and I know uh, she had the issue with the gate last time. So I guess you have to excuse it. But as far as her and Malathat, um, you know, horses who repeat in this race from year to year who did not win the first time are 0 for 44, for whatever that's worth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, I think if depending on how you're playing, you know, this is like one of those races we would talk about on a Saturday where let's say you think that those three are the most logical winners. You know, if you're playing a caveman and you use all three of them, your ticket's going to get expensive. So you might have to make a stand. Uh, and I think if I had to make a stand here, and unfortunately I think it's it's with the favorite, but I just find no chinks in the, in the nest armor. I, I think she can be tactical. Um, the distance is obviously not an issue. Uh, you know, she did uh, she did lose to. Uh, she did lose to Malathat somewhere down the line, I believe. Hey, Paul, real quick, can we talk about the pace scenario? Because that, that's the, our main focus here. Uh, and I, society yeah. is quicker than search results, right? So the problem is search results has to go. Like, Correct. Because society yeah. is right to her outside, that's going to force Flavian's hand. If you like search results, I think it's the very bad post for search results, mainly because society is right outside of her. And if you like society, I actually like the post for her. I, I agree with you on everything you just said, Howard. I think society is definitely. Let me put that on a reel, and we'll just keep playing that over and over a few months from um, now when you think I'm horrible. I think search. <laughs> I think, and I'm a huge fan of search results, uh, and and she shows up all the time. But I I just agree. I think the search results wins this race by you know laying second and taking the lead, and now having to hold off those monstrouses coming yeah. after you, and uh, I think it's going to be very hard to do. Um, Kyle, with Clarier and Malathot inside of the speed and inside of Nest, does that force their hand at all? I mean, and also, you know, Nest uh, is a, you know, sort of mid-pack kind of horse, uh, Kyle, but now she's got two speed horses right to her outside. 
I'm not saying Flavian or Florana are going to do anything nefarious, but would I be surprised if Ness gets like bumped out of the gate a little bit with two horses trying to come over and si- out to the outside? That's a little bit dicey for Ness, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, that's definitely not a scenario out of the realm of possibility. I just think Ness kind of goes with them out of the gate and it just sits the nice... I mean, the way that this filly runs, I mean, she makes her own trips. She just has so much tactical speed, so much upside, in my opinion. I'm in, I'm in agreement with Paul. I'm in the Ness camp. I just think she goes with search results. Not goes, is quote-unquote, but she goes with them out of the gate, clears the rest of them, slots in right behind the speed, and kind of works her own trip that way is kind of the way I saw it. But... Again, I know everyone's going to say the wise guy horse is Clarier and all this. I I really don't see a scenario why this horse can't at least get second. If not, if there's enough speed in the race, why she can't come over the top like she has so much before. I mean, people are going to throw her out because of the last race, but all you know, excuses can be made for that race with the gate trouble and being fractious and all that. I don't see why she's completely out of the realm of possibility in this race. Last thing I'll say here, and of course, we'll give our picks uh, on Saturday. Uh, everyone wants to sit behind search results in society. So I think Clarier and or Malathot, especially Malathot, might be written a bit more aggressively than normal because you don't want to get shuffled back You don't, and you want to try to sit behind the two speeds. So I think this pace could be a little hotter. And Secret Oath is not – actually, not Secret Oath is, is not fast enough. I, I changed my mind. Um, I don't know. It, this is a really a real good jockeys race too. It's just a mm-hmm. real good race overall, guys, and uh, uh, it, it's going to be a showdown. And the winner is probably the you know older Philly mare champion for the year. I mean, just one of those situations. Of course, Ness is a three year old, so uh, you know she doesn't fit into that category. Ness is already the three year old Philly of the year. That's not even a question, guys. We got two more races left. We got the turf, and we have of course the classic. The turf is a big field of thirteen, which I'm about to bring up. Uh, Paul, we're going to let you go first. Now, um, there's no question that the posts matter here. And the reason is because it's not a real short run to the first turn, but it's not a long run either. And this is a three-turn race, Paul. So if you're hung out wide on the first turn of a three-turn mile-and-a-half turf race, forget it. I mean, to me, that's like automatic tosses. you got to find a way to be aggressive early and save ground or just take back and not be wide on the first turn. Because to me, Paul, that is an absolute death knell. You see the field there in front of us for the turf. Um, what stands out to you? It's a nice field. It's not the best field we've ever seen in this race. There's a nice, some nice heroes coming in. Again, no monsters. You got Warlike Goddess. Um, in terms of the post position specifically, Paul, what's your impressions? Well, uh, you know, Mishriff, uh, I took a look at after listening to Davey uh, on your show, Howard, you know, uh, Mishriff gets the 11, which is not ideal. Um, Nation's Pride draws very well in the seven uh, yeah. for Buick and Appleby. Uh, those those two there. Uh, uh, Stone Age is a horse that I've heard a little bit about for Ryan Moore and O'Brien. He's down in the three. Walleye Goddess is the, is the top U.S. hope. Uh, drew the two. Uh, probably doesn't matter that much. This she is a dead stone closer, and yes, it is a she. Um, the reason they're running in this race is the distance. Uh, they maybe would have run in the Philly and Mare turf if it was the traditional mile and three eighths, but with that going back to a mile and three sixteenths, Bill Mott said he, th- this horse is a mile and a half horse, five for five. 
uh, at the distance. Uh, Three-turn races, Howard, the, the trainers will tell you, you got to save ground on the first two turns and then do whatever you want on the third turn. So you're on target with uh, getting hung out really wide on turn number one is, is not the way to go. Kyle? I mean, I don't disagree with that at all. Some people are putting in the chat, you know, about talking about Joe Rosario riding War Like Goddess. I mean, those back three starts, um, you know, riding War Like Goddess is perfectly would fit for a race like this, whether she's fast enough, whether you argue whether she's fast enough or not. I don't see anything. I'm not going to read in between the lines of jockey gymnastics and stuff like that. Well, he wasn't that uh, Rosario wasn't at in New York. Right. Lot, exactly. Exactly. Cause they were, they were racing at Keeneland that weekend. Like, and that's exactly how about, right. How about Dean G would rally up Lascano on the horse. Then Joel Rosario. Wow. I mean, well, I mean gee, Hey, I'm not, I'm not sure about that guys. Not for the type of, not for the way this horse runs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, Nation's Pride getting William Buick. I was, I'm happy and I'm, I'm, I'm torn because I love that William Buick rides Nation's Pride. That further solidifies my opinion in this race in a way. But I mean, just having that's going to definitely take down uh, his price and probably make him the favorite in this race over Rebels Romance, just for the sole fact that wow. it's going to be Appleby and William Buick, and that's my view at least on that race. They're probably right. still going to be close. I'd say it's probably going to be switched where Nation's Nation's Pride goes to three to one and Rebels Ramets goes to four to one or something along those lines. And I mean, I agree with, and I know Davey Lane said that as well on the podcast uh, in the Euros is that he thinks he thought Nation's Pride was going to get William Buick and that was going to be an upgrade for him in this race as well. You know, guys, um, I know we don't see this too much, especially in New York. I actually think there's a decent amount of speed in this race. And when you really look at it carefully, let me explain. Bye-bye Melvin has to go with mm-hmm. Fergal Lynch. This horse has no chance, but he's a speed horse. Um, Stone Age and Broom both have speed, but they're both Aiden. So one's going to go, one's going to take back. Paul, I'm telling you, Stone Age is, is not going to be that. Some One of those two is going to go. When I say go, Paul, don't, I mean, I'm not crazy. They're not going to go 47, but they're, they're going to go a little bit. Okay. What is Channel Maker going to do with Jose Ortiz? His best races are on the lead. They have no chance, but his best races are on the lead. Oh, he's um, got to go. You're right. He's got to go. Here's what I'm getting to. Uh, Mishriff gets the 11. I think he'll be able to tuck in. I don't think the 11 is as bad as people are going to think. I think Detori is going to take back, and he's going to make one big run. So I don't think the 11 is that bad for Mishriff. And if you like Warlike Goddess, I'm personally against, but if you like her, the two is perfect to me. I know people can say, well – She's going to take back. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's easier to take back from the two hole than it is from the 11 hole. I mean, obviously. So um, the, the two hole is absolutely, is absolutely just fine with Warlike, the goddess. Uh, the last thing I'm going to say, guys, about this race, people have been asking about Rebels Romance and Nation's Pride, and we'll talk about this um, uh, more on, on Saturday, excuse me, on uh, Wednesday. But the fact that Buick is on Nation's Pride to me, is, is very, uh, uh, tells a lot. And I was really a little higher on Rebels Romance. And again, more conversation Wednesday. That puts me, that puts Nation Pride above a Rebels Romance for me. And there's nothing wrong with James Doyle, by the way, Paul. James Doyle is yeah. a fine rider. But again, you're talking about a $4 million race or whatever. The, there's four, I think it's $4 million. Yeah. Um, You know he had a choice and you know Appleby had a choice and who's going to be on the better of the two. Um, and if it convince anyone else, 
Davey Lane, who is an excellent handicapper. He's been on the show, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I DM'd him today. He also thought that makes a big difference. So even though yeah, well, you, I, I mean, you know, Mason's guys just... accomplished less and is slower, Yabir had accomplished less and slower too last year. So just keep all that in mind. Paul, last thought, then we'll go to the class. Yeah, well, I mean, it's fairly simple. You know, Buick is going to be on whom Appleby thinks is his better horse. I mean, Buick is his number one guy. And, you know, that's a big, that's even a bigger deal over there than it is here. You know, they have contract riders and, you know, they ride for the same. So, but I will say this, Howard, two things. One, Mishrif, I don't think is in the best form of his life, but you said something relatively cogent early on in this conversation. And you said, you know, this is not the best edition of this race, which means Warlike Goddess, I'm going to use as, in my opinion, clearly the best shot of uh, the U.S. horses. Um, No question about that. Yeah, that's fair. You know, and and I think that 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 is, you know, that's the, uh, that would be the reason to use that horse. You're right about Channel Maker, how it only want me to go bye-bye, Melvin. Is, is definitely going, but how it, if I could give you some advice, because we want you to be around after the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. If you're waiting for Ryan Moore to be forwardly placed in a turf route, don't do it underwater. <laughs> how about this comment, by the way? I know you agree with this, Kevin. Uh, Kevin said I've said the same thing 99% of the time that they have to go. They go 1% of the time. Kevin, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not. Yeah, this again, is a different I'm not animal, saying though. It's going to be a speed duel. I'm just saying. One of them will be sent and one of them won't. What does sent mean? I'll leave it up to you. I, I just, you know, that's yeah. all I'm trying to say. All right, guys, we're coming up on an hour, 40 minutes left. We've done a great job. This is the big one. Again, we're not going to talk details about handicapping, but race flow in this particular classic is going to be huge. And I think it's pretty obvious as what's going to happen with the race flow. But where life is good and flight line drew, I thought was extremely substantial and important into who had a better, who had the best chance to win and how the race would be run to some extent. Guys, the Breeders' Cup Classic, you see there on paper. Uh, let's just get right to it. Kyle, why don't you start first? Uh, Life is Good drew inside Flightline. If you are a fan of Life is Good, good or bad, that he drew inside a Flightline. I mean, people are going to argue that it's bad. I would have much rather, I would have rather had him outside as well. I know Paul and I were talking before the show and they had two and seven left and it was Olympiad and life is good. They called the seven. I was really hoping it was life is good. And they put Olympiad's name in there, but I mean, it's not going to change the tactics no matter which way you put it. I mean, life is good. Obviously is gunning for the lead, run them off their feet style. And hopefully flight line just tries to chase a horse like life is good and gets caught up in the mix is really what they're the connections of uh, life is good are hoping. But I mean, in that type of scenario, if flight line, I mean, look, I don't, I'm not saying flight line's going to lose. Everyone knows. I mean, that, I mean, they're being drawing comparisons to secretariat for Christ's sake. Whoa, 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 they, whoa. I've heard whoa, it. I mean, whoa, it's that's horse racing Twitter. You can literally, whoa, whoa, you can call anything on horse racing Twitter. I'm not saying I'm the one doing it, and I'm not the one doing it at all. Paul, you okay, Paul? I think I might have just killed Paul, but I think I might have just killed Paul. I'm just quoting okay, people Paul? on Twitter. Okay. But uh, yeah, I just had a, a little palpitation there. All right. No, I, I, I am not saying it. I, I'm putting, I'm putting I, myself I, on that line. 
But I've got the blood pressure med- medication handy, Paul, yeah. for this weekend, especially. Just let you know. <laughs> Rumor is I'm going to have some pre big bets coming up in the BCBC. I yeah. don't know, but. But, Sorry, Kyle. Go ahead. No, finish. you're good. And like I said, I'm not putting myself out there. Don't you dare clip that. Uh, but um, like I said, it's just going to be that type of scenario that's going to be needed for a horse like Epicenter or a horse like Taba to try and come after a lead like that. Is you're hoping Flightline Chase's life is good, and you're hoping that either the ship or chasing a horse that like life is good that he's never run with before. You hope if you're a fan of Epicenter or Taba. That's the trip you hope to get and them to fly by on the stretch. And I agree with you, DNG. There's no horse like Secretariat and comparisons, especially with a horse with five races in them, should not be compared. Yeah, Mike, he lost Secretariat lost five times. Flightline has run five times. <laughs> oh, six, five times. Paul, Paul, how do you see? I mean, life is good as going, Flightline is sitting. What else do you have to say, right? I mean, yeah, well, life is good. If you watched, I watched him work in the morning on TV the other day. He's, you know, he's a very high-strung horse, and that's why yes. the distance is even today. Howard, today was just a gallop, and there was a, you know, they they showed the whole thing, and there was a lot of talk about how what a great job uh, Todd's exercise rider was doing. He, he just, you know, he is sitting on go. You know, it seems strange. You mentioned the run to the turn, Howard, in the turf. Well, this is the equally long run to the turn in the dirt, right? It's yeah. the entire length of the stretch. So the instinct is you would say, well, what do post positions matter? I think in this race they matter more than most. I do think life is good would have been much better off outside of flight line. I, I don't think and, – and I have really come around to Taba after watching him win the Pennsylvania Derby. Mm-hmm. He's a horse that's green. He's a little, I think, uh, uh, hyperactive. I don't think even though there's eight, I don't think sitting in the being the first one in is going to help him. I don't think the one is a good spot for him. Now, again, it's a mile and a quarter. Someone might say, you know, you idiot. They got they got 10 furlongs to, to work it out, which means looking for an alternative to flight line. And obviously, I understand flight line is a highly likely winner. But as a serial horizontal player, I would like to be able to hit a horizontal if flight line loses. So my top alternative now, we'll talk about Wednesday, is going to be Epicenter, who I did think drew very well. I think I, I think everyone drew just fine. I think if there's there's two horses that I think drew negatively, I actually think it's the two inside horses. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think life is good would have been better on the outside. Taba did win from the one hole uh, in the Pennsylvania Derby. He was a little bit uncomfortable in the Hask, but apparently that's been worked out. I no, Tabo think... was, was in the eight in the Pennsylvania Derby. I'm sorry, but but he got over to the rail and was on the inside until the yeah, back yeah, right. Is what yeah. I meant. Sorry, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But he did get over to the rail on the backstretch. I, I think this were if, if you believe that flight line is vulnerable, and I don't really think he is, but if you believe he's vulnerable, I think Epicenter has a fantastic post. He's going to yeah. break outside. He does have Olympia to his outside, which may may cause a little bit of problem only because Olympiad and Epicenter are sort of the same type of horse. And you don't want Olympiad like breathing on Epicenter on the outside. But I think Epicenter is going to be able to break fine, um, find a spot. The weird thing here, guys, is Hot Rod Charlie, Epicenter, Olympiad are all sort of mid-flight horses that if they want could be up closer. But if they don't, um, Epicenter is really the only of those horses that could take back. I firmly believe epicenter is going to be further back than most people think. And I could be wrong, 
But I think Tava, Mike Smith's going to be aggressive. I think Tyler on Hot Rod's going to be aggressive because that's what Hot Rod Charlie is for the most part. Olympiad is not slow. I have a sneaky suspicion, guys. Epicenter is going to be the one finishing fastest in the lane. Fastest for second and lose by 10. Uh, be right next to the, uh, you know, to the winner at the wire. I don't know. My sneaky suspicion is Epicenter is going to be taken further back, guys. Um, he's proven he can do it before. He did it in the Jim Dandy. He did it in the Preakness, although the Preakness, I think, was unintentional. That being said, it was done. Um, it's going to be fascinating. The last thing I'm going to say, and I'll bring us on screen here, guys. And we're going to talk more about that on, on Wednesday. If I'm Irad on Life is Good, and you like Life is Good, you break, you go to the lead, and then, you ready for this, guys? You go to the three or four path. He did this in the Pegasus, and you sort of bait Flightline to come to your inside or force Flightline six wide. And if Flightline comes at the inside, you know what's going to happen, Paul? Irad might just have to slide over a little bit. And no chance Flightline, that will happen. Make Flightline uncomfortable yeah. on the inside. If I'm Irad, that's what I do. I do not break and go to the rail. I, I think that'd be a big mistake, unless the rail. Yeah, is very I agree, good. Howard. But Paul, there's you've no seen chance. Flight... For seventy-five yeah. years. What do you think of that strategy? I think that might work for Flightline, possibly if you like Flightline. I, I think that the I think there'd be very little chance that Pratt would fall into that trap. Uh, they they think they're sitting on the best horse, and they're just going to keep. They'll they'll go as wide as he has to go. I agree with you. I think that's exactly what Irad will do. Um, but I also think that Irad's not going to wait around for him. You know, I think if life is good, leads this race, sets fast fractions and finishes fourth, I don't think his connections are going to be all that broken up because that's the way he can win the race. Now, you know, if, if someone's going to pressure him, uh, but you know, you saw last time, which was, Basically, you know, kind of a workout type of uh, race in the Woodward. You know, they, he, he was criticized because, well, he almost got caught by law professor. Yeah, you know, he was he was almost geared down in the street. You know what I mean? He just wasn't yeah. – he didn't extend the lead on the backstretch like I think he will do in this race. I think he takes it to flight line, and if they figure – if we get beat, we're going to get beat doing what we do best. Kyle. Kyle, I know I, before you no. comment, Kyle, yep. uh, uh, we're going to be on the show in just a second. Kyle, you're not going to be with us uh, tomorrow night or Wednesday night. We have Pete Visco coming back with guests. So, Kyle, after you make your comment, I want you to talk about a particular horse that you like a bit of the price this weekend and you're sort of most likely winner of the entire weekend because you talked about this earlier. I think some people might be surprised. So, again, finish your thought here. Uh, a long shot you like for the weekend, a most likely winner. And any thoughts for the viewers because you won't be with us the next two nights. Well, my one thought was um is a little bit of a joke thought. It's uh Penn State's got set in the in the chat, but I did see Paul, I did see that uh Rich Strike is working very well. So that he might have Oh I didn't want to I don't want to <laughs> kill the price. That's why I didn't mention. <laughs> but um honestly, it's just gonna be a super fun day, uh two days of racing. It's always the best time of year. For us horse fans, it's somewhere Kentucky Derby. It's it's the Breeders' Cup for me. It's the best time of year, best betting opportunities possible. And I mean, just getting to see in person for the first time. I'll be there with Howard. I know he's mentioned it before, but just it I mean it's just going to be some of the coolest stuff. And especially with the star power that is this year, it's just I mean I'm just so excited. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, but 
I just love it. Um, long shot of the weekend. I mean, I have two. I mean, I really do like Campanelle. I don't think it could be a golden pal, but I really do like Campanelle. He's probably going to be somewhere wow. around eight to one, 10 okay. to one, somewhere in that area. I think he definitely has a good shot to get up for second. And I had one more. I'm trying to think of it right now. I'm trying to look for it right now. But to answer your other question, while I'm looking for it. I did say Cave Rock is the most likely winner of the weekend, but sadly, Jack Christopher scratched. Jackie's Warrior is probably your most likely winner of the weekend. And I don't think that's going again. You know, that's not massive news to anybody out there. Um, well, it's massive news only for the sense that flight line will be lower, I would assume. Right. Um, you know, um, so, yeah. Uh, Kyle, any final thoughts for the betters this weekend, what they should look for? This I Now, Kyle, for everyone to know, and Kyle's been fantastic on this show. He's done a great job for us. Kyle will be part of our power pick. So, Kyle's opinions, We each of one of our co-hosts, Kyle, uh, Paul, Pete, and myself, we all have different races we're covering for the power picks. We split up the jobs. So you will, you will hear from Kyle if you receive our power picks, just not the next two nights. Uh, Kyle, go ahead and finish your thought. Any final thoughts for the uh, handicappers? Yep, and to finish my point, long shots today, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go G. Laurie and the Juvenile Phillies turf. I think that, especially getting William Buick, I think that she has a really good shot. And then uh, Victoria Road in the juvenile turf, I think, is also very interesting. Um, but like I said, just for the betters, I know I'm notorious for this. It is early. I haven't mentioned it in a while. I'm not afraid to bet favorites, and you shouldn't either, especially this time of year. If you like a favorite, do not feel bad about liking the favorite. Unless it's a horse like Cave Rock or Jackie's Warrior, you will get a pretty decent price on these favorites. And I think you set a value line, which a value line is if you if it goes above – You've set the horse what you think it's going to be and what you want to bet it at. If it's above that odds, you bet the horse firm to win. And that's going to be my play on the weekend. I'm going to set a bunch of horses of my top picks and what I want to bet them at. If they're above that, I'm going to bet them to win. Just trust your opinions and be smart with your money. Don't go overboard what you don't have, but be smart with your opinions and win big, everybody. We would never go. Who goes overboard over their budget? I mean, who the hell would possibly do that? I don't know what he's talking about. Especially with horizontal plays. I mean, what are we talking about? Uh, Kyle Roscoe, really appreciate your insight. Uh, good luck. I look forward to being with you uh, at the Breeders' Cup. Paul, you were fantastic tonight. We're going to be together, of course, with uh, Pete Bisco and two great guests the next Tuesday night. Again, folks, please join us tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to go. The PPs are out. I just checked DRF. The PPs are out fully now. For the cards on Friday and Saturday. Finish all of your homework. Please join us the next two nights. Spread the word about the HHH Racing Podcast and check out about all of our promotions below the video player. For Kyle Roscoe and Paul Halloran, this has been episode 200. And your host, Howard Krauts. Thanks for watching the HHH Racing Podcast. We look forward to seeing you Tuesday night and Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern for Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday handicapping. Take care, everyone. Have a great night.